So let me, let me give you a little bit of background on Luke and Matthew. In the Matthew's Gospel, the primary teaching block of Jesus is the Sermon on the Mount, core teaching of Jesus. We're going to start there in the Sermon on the Mount beginning in September. The core teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke is called the Sermon on the Plain. It's interesting to go look at those two different blocks of teaching because in the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, they both contain uh, the same teaching, the same values, the same message, but they each are characterized by uh, Luke and what he wants to tell his audience and what Matthew wants to tell his audience. So the passage I'm about to read is in both the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain. And so if you want, it'd be interesting to go back and look in Matthew's Gospel and read what Matthew says about it. He adds some things to it that are not in this translation. But this is Luke's version where he talks about something that every, every, everyone in this room can connect to. Here is the word. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If then you're not able to do a so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you you of little faith. And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you are to drink. And do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after all these things. And your Father knows that you need them. Instead, strive, seek, pursue diligently for His kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. These are the words of Jesus for His church and for His people. God's blessings to you. You may be seated. Let me just begin by asking a simple question. What worries you? What worries you? In the first service, I asked the question, not expecting an answer. But one of her older uh, members said, nothing. And I said, you may be the only one then. We all worry about something. We all, all of us struggle with worry to some degree or another. Some of us are Olympic champion worriers. Some of us don't worry quite as much. 
Let me ask you another question then. A year ago today, what were you worried about? Now, some of you may say, I know exactly what I was worried about a year ago. Yeah, I do. I can remember it. I was worried about this. But if that's the case, you're probably in the minority. Because most of you in this room can't remember, right, what you were worried about a year ago. And that's because most of the things that we worry about, and it's a good thing, don't ever really ever happen. The thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night, that seizes you, that paralyzes you, that breaks you out in a cold sweat, most of it never really ever happens. But because you're a human being and because fear is a normal part of the human experience, what you do is what I do, what we all do, is we just move on to something else, you know, to worry about. Is this connecting? Is this true? It really is true. And so today, I, I, I love it that Jesus seems to have, even though he said this so long ago, he seems to have such an appreciation for our human experience and what life is like for us. And when you listen to what Jesus says about worry, uh, the negative impact of worry, how to avoid worry, it all sounds great, doesn't it? Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. Don't worry about your life. Look at the birds of the air. Look at the flowers of the field. God takes care of them. God is going to take care of you. Worry about the kingdom of God and God will meet your needs. So give and help others live an outward focused life. You hear that and you go, that just sounds great. But then you go, oh, that's easier said than done, right? Nice message, but really, Jesus? I mean, I would have loved, I would have loved to have been a disciple in the crowd and raised my hand and go, hey, Mr. Jesus, I love it, but birds of the air, really? I got bigger problems than birds. Flowers? Come on. Jesus, really? I mean, Jesus, you never had a mortgage. You never were working in a place where there were layoffs and you were wondering if your name was going to be at the top of the list. <laughs> hey, Jesus, you're not going to get up tomorrow morning and get your kids ready to school and send them off to kindergarten. Do you see what's happening in the world? I mean, even at the church we go to, we've got to have a security guard out front because we're scared all the time. I mean, for the life of me, I never dreamed that there'd be a time and place in the world we're living in where you don't even feel safe in a place of worship anymore. I mean, come on, Jesus, really? Do you live in the 21st century? And by the way, one of the things I learned in pastoral care is that the worst thing you can ever say to someone who's worried is don't worry. I go, come on, Jesus, you would have flunked pastoral care. You know, imagine it. Somebody walks in to see me. I'm really worried about my son. He really struggled in school last year. He's not keeping up. He doesn't want to go to school tomorrow. He just, every day he goes to school, he feels more beaten down and more discouraged. His self-esteem is about this big. He can't make friends. Don't, and I, don't worry, it'll be okay. 
Or I, I'm, I'm worried about stock market right now. It just seems to be going up and down, and i got a 401k, David. I don't have a lot in it, and I'm, I'm, I've got to retire. i got to live on this. Don't worry. It'll be okay. Pretty insensitive, Jesus. I mean, Jesus. Did you flunk pastoral care? Did you not take that in rabbi school? And I can just hear... <laughs> I, these are the voices. When I read a passage like this, you know what I'm doing? I'm looking at this, and you know, I'm not sitting in some ivory tower. I'm living in the real world like all of you, and I hear voices objecting to the teaching. Jesus, my two-year-old, her tooth is growing in sideways. And I know what that means. Braces. I had braces. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for Braces. And did you know right now, Jesus, my air conditioner is making a clanking noise. It's not keeping up with what's happening outside in the heat. And I know it's going to go out. I can't write a check. And my beagle just swallowed a sock. And, well, what do you do? You take, we love our beagle, so we took it to the animal hospital, and it costed about $1,000 billion for our beagle. And I know he's going to swallow another sock. How in the world am I going to, pay for my beagle, for my air conditioner, buy braces for my kid, and save money for college. And then I have two girls, and one of them's going to get married. I can't even make ends meet right now. What am I going to Don't worry. Come on, Jesus. Or how about this one? I've heard this in many varied forms. Jesus, I went over to my mother's house, and I went in the backyard, and the water hose was running. She must have forgotten it was running. It had been running for two or three days, and there was a big pond formed out back, and I think there were ducks on it and frogs and lily pads. You see, my dad took care of my mom. They lived together for 50 years. Dad's been gone for five years now. Mom seems like she's getting forgetful. My brother, he can't help much. He, li he loves mom, but he lives two, two states away, and now I'm having to take care of my mom all by myself. And I went by the other day, and I went to the house, and there was a dent in the right panel of the car, and there's a new dent every time I go by. She doesn't remember how she got the dents. I'm worried about who she's hitting or what she's hitting. I look in the refrigerator and all the food's still in there that we bought a week ago. And some of her two weeks before is going, but I don't think she's eating. And when I bring it up and say, hey, mom, we got to do something. You can't. She just loses it. Don't tell me not to be worried. Jesus. Well, you read that and you go, Gosh. It's not so easy, is it? Well, let me just say this to you. I, I often hear this passage preached in a way that's not helpful. Because it just says, don't worry. What happens? You just get more worried. I'm worried about being worried. Uh, you know, Jesus said, you don't have any faith if you're worried. Well, gosh, I must have no faith. Because I'm going to tell you not to worry, and you're going to walk out feeling more guilty. The preacher said, don't worry, but I'm worried anyway. I'm going to keep worrying, right? Let me tell you a few things. And I think we'll take it home to you, and you will be able to see the brilliance of Jesus' teaching. He said this a long time ago, but it is so brilliant. There are four things I want to lift out what Jesus is saying here that I believe are at a deeper level than just, don't worry, be happy. Gee whiz, I don't know who wrote that song and made a lot of money off of it, but it's not really helpful, is it? Be worried, be happy. Okay. First is, he's saying get some perspective. 
Because what happens when we're worried about something, we can't see anything but our problem. We're focused on it alone, and we can't see the bigger picture and the bigger world around us. So he says, look at the birds. You ever see a bird frown? Look at the flowers. Flowers don't sweat. God takes care of them. What he's really saying there is he's really saying, look up, look down, look all around, and remind yourself today that this, that this is God's world, that this is our Father's world. This God is involved in all of creation all around us every single day. Get out of your focus on the thing you're drilled into and look at the bigger picture around you and realize you're not alone. Get some perspective. It really helps. The other thing is, it's personal. I love that when Jesus says, um, your Father is so pleased to give you the kingdom. And we hear that, and it's just really, really nice, doesn't it? Your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. But I want you to understand how unusual that was for people in the first century. They weren't used to hearing somebody speak about God that way because God was distant, God was removed, God was in the Holy of Holies in the temple. Only a certain people could go into the Holy Holies of the temple and go in there and encounter God. If you were not one of the right people, you'd be uh, just a smoking hulk after it was over. You'd be burned up. You know, God is distant on the mountain. You don't get near God. In fact, they couldn't even say God's name. But here Jesus is saying, your Father, God cares about you. It's personal. Now I realize maybe, maybe you didn't have a great father. That doesn't mean God isn't a good father. And if you have trouble saying the word father, use the word mother because that word works too. God is father, God is mother, God is, God is all those things. But, but whoever is a nurturing figure in your life, think of God in that way. It, it's God, it's personal. The third thing is, so it's perspective, it's personal, it's also unlimited. The thing you will see in, in all of Jesus' teaching is that God just never gives up. Uh, God's love and care for you is ongoing from beginning to end. I, I love what it says about Jesus in the book of Revelation. It says about God in the book of Revelation that Jesus is the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And what that means is that God never stops caring. God never gives up. You will never wear God out asking for help and for attention. God is personal. God is involved. Always. I shared this story in my Friday email, but I'm really frustrated. So I bought a brand new refrigerator, right? One year later, the ice maker's throwing ice out the back of the machine. It's not working right. Too late, you know, $500 to fix the ice maker. So right now, we just have a box in the back, and we let it throw ice, then we collect it and put it in the box. And then just about a year ago, all of a sudden, one started, I mean, it's an expensive refrigerator. You know, they're fancy. We spent a lot of money on this one. We were going, you know, get a good refrigerator. And um, then we started hearing this clunk, 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 clunk. What's that? I don't know. All of a sudden, it stops clunking, and now it's no longer keeping the refrigerator cold. So we call a guy out, you know, pay 150 bucks to basically tell me, you can't fix it. It's a, these people know how to make TVs, but they can't make refrigerators. I'm not downing a I didn't say the name of the product. <laughs> he, said, he, said, he said, so I said, what's the option? He said, well, you can't fix it, really. It's just going to keep doing it. It's, it's a manufacturer's fault, problem. My friend Pat, raise your hand, Pat. He bought the same refrigerator, same problem, right? Yep. So, so, I'm, we're sharing the misery, you know, sharing the love. So, 
So every, every two weeks, Teresa goes, well, it happened again. And so we're carting all the food out of the refrigerator down to the GE refrigerator that's in the basement that's 40 years old that still works, that was left there from the guy that lived there before. So, so I have to go out. And I call, you can't fix it. I got to go out and I got to buy another refrigerator five years later and it costs more. And I'm thinking to myself, this time I'm going to buy a warranty, an extended warranty for five years. You know? I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, sometimes I feel like that with God. Sometimes I feel like I've got a defective part. I'm defective in some way. And God's going to get tired of me raising my hand. And at some point, the warranty is going to run out, and God's going to say, sorry, just deal with it. Take the ice out and put it in the basement. I'm tired of hearing your problems. But this thing about worry, to me, says, Jesus says, essentially, unlimited warranty. You didn't even have to buy it. I paid for it for you. And it's a lifetime warranty. The fourth thing, then, is we can learn from Jesus is worry about something bigger than yourself. That's what he means when he says, strive for the kingdom of God. He means begin to worry about bigger things. It's not saying that what you're worried about is not important or insignificant. But the truth is, this is when you give away your life, you get back life. And if you begin to care more about other people's worries, you will care less about your own worry. And so he says here, care about the kingdom of God and his kingdom and his righteousness and doing his work in the world. And what will happen is your worries will begin to fade away. They'll still, they may still be there, but God will take care of you. So that's it. It's, it's, it's perspective. It's personal. You know, um, it is unlimited, and it's about worrying bigger, about bigger things. But again, I want to come back to this one point. It will be easy for you to walk out this morning and say, well, that was a really good sermon on worry, but I'm worried that I'm still worried. Right? Okay. So, so I've been thinking about this all week, and I realize I have preached this passage multiple times, and suddenly it occurred to me something very interesting. I'm excited to share this with you because it is a deep personal discovery that I believe really makes a difference for me. I bet it'll make a difference for you. It is this. I think that what Jesus is offering us here is not something to do. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Because that's hard to do. I think he's offering us something even deeper and more meaningful. He's offering us an invitation. He's not saying, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. He's offering us an invitation into a life, into his love and care. I think one of the biggest problems that we have in the world today is that people don't feel safe. People don't feel secure. I don't know if the world today is any more anxious than it's been in the past. It feels that way, but then I remind myself that on this spot where we're sitting, the Civil War was fought, brothers against brothers and families against families. There were people in the World War II who had families and people overseas that didn't come home. But right now, this is an anxious time. Times are always anxious. That's why the teaching is so relevant. 
But I know this. I know that when we're afraid and worried and fearful about the world we live in, we all do the same thing. We pull in. We isolate. We withdraw. And we hide. And we become to become fearful of others. And we try to protect ourselves. So I realize that we can't, we can't be the people God has called us to be. We can't be the church we're called to be. We can't live the life Jesus is inviting us into unless we accept his invitation into his safety, into his sanctuary. The church is not just something that, we're not just doing something in the world, we're also offering something for people in the world. Sanctuary. Safety. Security. Maslow's hierarchy of needs basically said you can't take people to self-actualization until you've met their basic needs for survival. So I found this. It's interesting. I want to show you a circle. This is a Celtic knot circle. I read about this, and I did this with our kids a minute ago. Remember when I walked around them? In the Celtic tradition, there was all these symbols, and this is one of them. It's called the Celtic circle. It represents the eternal love and care of God. In the center is God's love and affection for us. And so when a couple got married, uh, they would, during the ceremony, the priest or the minister would walk around or draw a circle around the couple and would pray for them to be in the center of God's will and heart and love and grace and pray for their protection and for their safety. It's also meant for everyone in our life. And so this Celtic tradition is that you, would, you will draw a circle around yourself and imagine that wherever you go, you're in the care of God's love and his concern. The idea is that, that God is building a new kingdom in a world, a kingdom defined by his teachings, and that we are being invited into it. And invited into that place of care and nurture and love we are able to not do this and hide from the world. We're able to respond to the fear and anxiety in the world with grace and love with open arms. You see, the way of the world is to respond to violence like this. Fear, hate, demonizing people who are different from us. The way of Jesus is opening up our arms to others. The way of the world when you're afraid is to buy a gun and wear a holster. The way of Jesus is to open your arms up and to build a house for someone who doesn't have one. Jesus said those who live by the sword die by the sword. And it's understandable. It's understandable why we feel that way because we don't feel safe. But what we are doing as a church is we are inviting people into a new kingdom. The kingdom of God that is being broken into our world right now in this place, in this time. And he's inviting us into it. And so this is one of the prayers, go back, this is one of the prayers that people would pray. They would imagine themselves in this circle. So, so pray this with me. Circle us, Lord. Keep love within. Keep hatred out. Keep joy within. Keep fear out. Keep peace within. Keep worry out. Keep light within. Keep darkness out. May you stand in the circle with us today and always. All week long, I've been walking into the sanctuary and staring at our cross, which is a Celtic cross. 
and imagining myself in the center of that as I go and do my work in the world to remind me I don't need to be afraid, I don't need to worry. And if we think that this teaching of Jesus is irrelevant and he doesn't understand the world we're living in, remember, in the middle of that circle is a cross. And in the middle of that cross is where God met human beings. The love of God met with human beings. And it's in that center place where he died and lived a very human life and entered fully into our human experience to show us what real love is. And so what he's saying here is he's saying, I'm inviting you into my kingdom. I'm inviting you to be my disciple. I'm inviting you to a new way of being in the world. The world is this way. The world chases these things. The world hoards and grabs and grabs for stuff and protects itself and builds walls and builds fortresses to protect and isolate itself. But I'm inviting you into a kingdom of open arms and love. I, I met a woman this week. Her name is Maha. Maha is from Syria. And Maha uh, came to the Global Leadership Summit. Maha left Syria because she is an intellectual. She has a PhD in linguistics. And um, she was worried that she was going to be murdered. They were eliminating intellectuals who opposed the government. So a professor at the University of Louisville invited her to come here and to stay with him and to seek asylum in the United States. She now works for Kentucky Refugee Ministries. And she told me that that's why she does the work she does, because she remembers what it was like getting off the airplane and walking into a new place, scared and fearful, having left family behind, fleeing violence and no place to go, and then to see that one person there welcoming, welcoming her to safety. This morning at 11 o'clock following the service, she's going to be meeting with those in our church who are in their 20s and 30s, and some, some people edging out over the top of that. <laughs> because they have agreed to welcome a family fleeing violence that potentially has been living in a refugee camp for more than as much as 20 years, fleeing violence somewhere in the world. And because, because we paid off our debt a while back and we created this Embrace Louisville vision, we're going to be able to have a handful of people from our church standing at the airport to welcome someone to safety. You know what we're doing? We're welcoming them into the center. That's what it means for us to be a church in the world today. We're not hiding from the world. We're welcoming into his kingdom, into his safety, where we don't have to live in worry and fear, where we can live with open arms and do the work of Jesus. In the end, in the end, in the end, I will tell you, as I said a few weeks ago, kingdoms come and go. Kings rise and fall. But the kingdom of God described by Jesus, the kingdom of mercy, love, and forgiveness, is the eternal kingdom that will be standing at the end of time and no other kingdom will be remaining because God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And in the end, I'm going to put my life there. And so today, I'm drawing a circle all around you. All around you.